Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue checkmark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash BOF, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash BOF to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash BOF. The thing I love about the phrase of break the internet is it's, it's a false bar. So it's, it's a bar that cannot actually be attained. The internet is unbreakable. But is it just as simple as finding 
someone as famous and as followed as Kim Kardashian and creating kind of provocative imagery. There's more to it than that, isn't there? You didn't see the strategy, you saw the entertainment. It's a new, it's a new frontier and we are the new pioneers and all it is is the wild west of opportunity. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion. And on today's episode of Inside Fashion, I'm joined by our latest course tutor for BOF Education, Drew Elliott from Paper. Drew first began his career at Paper Communications and has seen him transition from intern all the way up to co-owner and creative director of the renowned New York publishing and marketing company. He is perhaps best known for his ability to break the internet. First, with a cover concept featuring Kim Kardashian shot by Jean-Paul Goud, which drove over 16 million users to Paper's online channels. Today, he is increasingly the man the fashion industry looks to for inspiration and innovation in digital marketing. So when we were thinking about who should teach our new course on digital marketing, Drew was the obvious choice. The course covers how to be successful in all things digital, and there is something for everyone, whether you need a simple digital dust-off or are just starting out in your career in marketing. To find out more about this course or any of our other courses in BOF Education, please swipe up on this episode's artwork and click on the episode notes. Good morning, Drew Elliott. Good morning, Imran. Welcome to the BOF podcast and Inside Fashion. I'm really pleased to have you here today and can't wait to hear more about your brand new course for BOF Education. But first, I wanted to spend a little bit of time getting to know you better um, and understanding what makes you tick. Uh, the, the first thing I just, just wanted to get a sense of is like, you do so many things. So like when you meet someone for the first time, like how do you, <laughs> like do you, how do? Do you explain who you are and what you do? Um, I, I think first and foremost, I'm Drew Elliott from Indiana. I think it's the number one thing. Okay. Um, and I think, you know, what I've, I've been practicing on Uber drivers, I have to say. And I think the thing that works the best is, you know, they always ask, what do you do? Because usually I'm in something a little bit ridiculous as far as my looks go. And I say, I work in the entertainment business. Okay. And that seems to be catch-all enough for all the things that we're working on at paper and all the things that I do. I see. And then when they ask you the follow-up question that, you know, what does that mean exactly? Like, are you famous? Do you work with famous people? Yeah, do yeah. you do fame? I, mean, I can imagine that Uber driver conversation. It is. It's a, it's a great one. It's one that I love to have. But I think, you know, it was funny because I used to tell people, uh, I work in the media business. And there was kind of this like sensation that, oh, you're, I'm sorry, you're going out of business. Oh, right. And like, oh, like, you know, like that's tough. And then I just flipped it as we've kind of pivoted our company. And it's, oh, I work in the entertainment business. And they think, oh, that means you're famous or that means you know famous people and that gets people excited, which I think, you know, just the flip of a word is interesting how it can change a perception. Yeah, well, you're most certainly not going out of business as far as I can tell. <laughs> and there's, there's so much to cover about you and your career, but I wanted to, to really begin by going to the, back to Indiana, I guess. Sure. And, and understanding, you know, who you were, and what you were like when you were younger and growing up. Like, you know, what were the things that, you know, excited you back then? 
I think what excited me, I was raised by two amazing parents. So my father was the vice president of Indiana University for 20 years. So it was a strange place because it's in the middle of Indiana, but it's a university town. So it What's would be- What's the town called? Bloomington, Indiana. Bloomington. So all these amazing people would come through and we would host dinner parties at our house for, you know, Howard Ashman and, you know, amazing artists. And artists would come through and my, my mother worked at a place called Echo Press, which was amazing artists from New York who were burnt out, you know, would come and create a collection there and teach a class. So I met all these incredible people, even though, you know, I was in from a pretty rural area. Um, and, you know, I really loved acting. What I wanted to do is be an actor. And so they sent me at 10 years old off every summer to New York to the Catskills. And I went to an acting camp called Stage Door Manor, where I met amazing, incredible people and really learned about New York and learned about what was outside of New York City, you know, outside of Indiana. Right. You were pretty obsessed with New York by, you know, a certain age, right? I think you kind of were doing everything in your power to, to make it to New York. I was. I, every, everything was a drive to go there. You know, I, I went many times a year to see Broadway shows and just keep up with culture and what was happening there. I was very lucky in that sense. And I think, you know, the goal, you know, once I realized that university could take you there, the goal and was, I need to go to New York University. And so I applied, you know, basically to New York University and, and I applied to Ithaca College as well, just to be safe. Back up backup and I didn't get into New York University and I was devastated oh no and so you know I I I ended up deciding that oh I'll just go to Indiana University and try again and then I decided I can't do that I gotta get out of this town and I gotta go so I spent a year at Ithaca uh, at Ithaca College and then met a wonderful man who started this this school Gallatin within New York University and he said, you know, if you really work hard and, and you get a 4.0, we'll have you here at, at NYU. And so I spent an entire semester at, at Ithaca College working on getting a 4.0. And you got a 4.0. I got it. And you got into NYU. And I went to NYU. First lesson learned, right? So when you fail in the first instance. Keep trying. Yeah, clearly. All right. So you, you get to NYU. You know, what are you studying? Like, what are you actually looking at in your school? Well, I really wanted to go and be an actor, but then I realized that I, I, I don't know if that was, I, I think once I got into the city, I was like, I don't know if that's right for me. And so I created an entire focus because Gallatin is really about building your own concentration and taking the entire school and be able to, you know, take courses inside of any of the disciplines and you can create your own focus. And so my focus was pop culture. Even back then? I studied pop culture. That's what I studied. Really? Yeah. And the creation and what makes things popular and why things are popular. And the Gallatin School is very interesting in that you have to study 200 of the greatest books. And then at the end, you have to give a, a talk, a, a two-hour dialogue with, with four professors that you choose. And you have to come up with a thesis and then back it up with 20 of those great books. So what was your thesis on pop culture? My thesis on pop culture was, it was all around reality television. Okay. And that reality television mimics a lot of the ideas that are, are 
you know, archaic, that are, are old ideas, but presented in a new way. What, what was going on in reality TV at the time? Just refresh at, my memory. At the time, the Osbournes were the thing. Oh, right. So the Osbournes were on television and it was all about, you know, their family. And, and so I was obsessed with Michel Foucault and this idea of the panopticon. So when you put a guard in the center of a room, how all the inmates behave. And so I likened that to a camera and how that can change behavior. And... Interesting. So before the Osbournes, so before the Kardashians rather came the Osbournes, it's almost like you forget about the Osbournes. I never, well, Kelly Osbourne's a friend and has been on the cover. So I never okay. forget about the Osbournes because they really, you know, it was the first time that really, really famous people had opened their homes to the world, I think, as far as I know. And, um, you know, many people had done it for reality television. Survivor was happening in all these different competition shows. But really, you know, a big kind of notable family opening that up. And it was, it was really interesting how that impacted pop culture and how it, it just took over. I remember seeing Ozzy Osbourne once on a golf course in Arizona. Did they live in Arizona? I have no idea. Anyway, he was on a golf course there. And I, I agree, like, it was such a fascinating family because the mix of characters and people was so unusual and lots of big personalities too. Well, and I think you also become a big personality when a camera's on you constantly. So I think it, it, it also, you know, pop culture and, and, you know, being part of this, that world can also shape who you become. Right. So around the time that you were at Gallatin, is that when you first came across paper? I actually, a friend, when I went to camp in New York, he introduced me to paper and, and I took the subscription card and I took it out. When I returned to Indiana, I subscribed to the magazine. So since I was about 15 years old, I've been a subscriber to paper. And it's really what showed me what New York was. And I remember there's this one photograph. There was a, a photograph of Pat Field, Patricia Field, in paper and I was like that is what I want I want to meet that woman and I want to know her and you know she was the creator of all the costumes for Sex and the City and she you know she lived this life that was so huge even before she was working on Sex and the City it's like I want to I want to go I want to meet Patricia Field <laughs> so how did you end up working at paper in the first place I called them and said, I would love to intern. I loved the magazine and I would love to intern. And I had an interview and Diane Drennan hired me. And to this day, we still work together. Wow. When I was 19 years, well, I was 18 when I was hired and 19 when I started. So you were in university basically when all this was happening? I was in university. Okay. So I would work during the day at paper and then I would take my courses, you know, toward the evening so that I could be at paper the full day. And read 200 books and whatever. <laughs> exactly. Right. Okay, so take me back to what it was like working in the paper magazine office back at that time. Working at the paper magazine office back in that time, it was in Soho. Well, it was below Canal Street, so it wasn't even technically Soho. But it was, you know, it was wild and, and people were, were wild. And I remember so vividly that you know, paper, paper was one of the first magazines to be online. So in 1996, Paper launched a website. And I'll never forget, 
I was in the front of the office and I was working on, you know, a proposal or something and I was on the internet and, and the office manager came to me and she goes, are you on the internet? You must get off. And I was like, why? And she's like, this side of the office can only use the internet in the morning. The back end of the office um, use it, can use it in the afternoon. And I was like, how is this possible? Because you were on some kind of really slow dial-up connection or exactly. something. Exactly. Right? And yeah. I was like, this isn't even modern. I don't even know how this is working. So the web team would have to wait till after you know, 3 p.m. to start publishing. Okay. That's so interesting. Um, so how long did you end up staying at paper? I stayed at paper for the first time. I've been there many times. So yeah. I stayed the first time. I interned for two years and then I worked for five years and I worked as Kim Hastrider, the founder's assistant, and then as Mickey Boardman's assistant. Okay. And what were Kim and Mickey like back then? Kim and Mickey back then were exactly as they are today. They are, you know, the truffle hunters of the incredible freaks. Yeah. Well, they found you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, well, you're a truffle hunter yourself these days, and you're back at paper, but you said just now that you left for a bit. Was that a hard decision? You know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't. I, I always loved paper. I always knew the power of paper. I, in, I guess in the way back of my mind, I knew that I would always end up at paper, but I really needed to go, you know, new, it, paper was a, a niche New York magazine when I started and I needed to go see the big world. So I did leave twice. I, I left once and I went and ran experiential marketing at Ketchum, mm -hmm. which is a huge scale. So working for big clients like Frito-Lay and IBM and things like that. And then I came back for five years to paper and built an agency with them and really worked on how we could translate, you know, the paper access to big brands and created content and that type of thing. And then I worked for, I left again and worked for two years at a company called The Audience um, based out of Los Angeles. I moved to LA. Um, to learn digital at a big scale. Right. What does the audience do? So the audience is a company and, you know, I think they've changed a bit in their direction. But when it started, it was started by a man, Oliver Luckett, and then Ari Emanuel and Sean Parker. So, I mean, the true mavericks of, of digital and also Hollywood, all of those mixed together. And basically it built the publishing structure for 600 celebrities inside of social media. Okay. And then after that, you came back to paper again. I really miss New York and Kim and David um, called me back and asked if I would return to paper. And I said I would under um, very clear um, kind of parameters that I wanted to modernize the brand. And what, what did you need to do there to modernize it? What I needed to do is, um, you know, bring it into the digital age, refresh the look and feel of it and make it a little bit more, it needed, it needed to be more youthful. We needed to change the demo age. We needed to stop going just, we had to really stop entertaining ourselves and entertaining the audience. And that was the thing that I really wanted to bring. Okay. So one of the things that you helped to spearhead at paper is something that's become really famous and become like, in a way, your catchphrase, which is break the internet. Yes. Um, how, how did that whole idea of breaking the internet come, up, come about? 
The idea of Break the Internet came about, we knew we wanted to shoot Kim Kardashian, but we needed to do it in a new, fresh way, because obviously she was, she was and is ex the most famous person on the planet and, you know, had been shot for every magazine and had, you know, done every, everything. So we needed kind of a, a new look at her. And so, um, you know, I was obsessed with Jean-Paul Goud. He used, he had a column in paper many years ago. And I think how he shoots, um, curve women is so spectacular. And Kim has such amazing curves and she has such a, an amazing body that's sculptural. And I, I, I loved that image that Jean-Paul Goud had done of the champagne glass, you know, that, that yeah. pops and then it, it goes onto a glass rested on, on the woman's bottom. And so I was like, if Jean-Paul Goud shoots Kim Kardashian in this way, it will break the internet. And Mickey Boardman, um, our editorial director, said, well, that's what we should call it. And so that's what we called it. And that's how it hatched. It hatched literally on a sidewalk conversation in front of our office. Okay, but now it's more than just like a sidewalk conversation. It's become one of the defining traits of how paper thinks about creating and disseminating content. And can you talk a little bit about, you know, what it was quite mechanically that you guys were able to do now uh, around breaking the internet? Because, you know, breaking the internet is a catchphrase Certainly, but it really talking about, you know, creating signal through all of the noise in the internet. It's about like standing out amongst everything that's happening. How do you do that? I think um, the thing I love about the phrase of break the internet is it's, it's a false bar. So it's, it's a bar that cannot actually be attained. The internet is unbreakable, but it's people assign it to things that have extreme virality and reach pop culture stardom. So I love that our brand is positioned inside of it every time something like that happens. And I think in the mechanics and how we did it was obviously it started with the creative. It starts with an amazing concept and an amazing idea and an idea that is, has a tension in it. So a tension of counterculture meets pop culture. And that's, that's what we continually talk about at paper. So bringing kind of like the obscure and something that's a little bit different from what's normal and then bringing it to something that's highly polished and that you already know and giving it a new direction. And so it starts with the creative and then really from a digital perspective, you then build out a strategy of how does that roll out? How do people want that, that information? And, you know, in our case with break the internet, we wanted to drop it. So we wanted to surprise the audience. We didn't want to tease it. We wanted to, <clears throat> just let them discover it and, and let it unfold. So we released the covers, um, I'll never forget, November 12th of 2014. And you know, it, it created a groundswell and created excitement. And then the following day we released, you know, the remainder of the images and, you know, drove 30 million people to our website in that day. So 1% of all Google's traffic in the United States landed on paper's website. But is it just as simple as finding someone as famous and as followed as Kim Kardashian and creating kind of provocative imagery. There's more to it than that, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the rigor that goes into it of, you know, the creation of all types of content that would land. So we, we took those images and, and did many different things with them across all the social platforms. 
we dialed into Kim Kardashian, obviously, as not only a celebrity, but an influencer and someone who has a huge audience. And then we worked with different, you know, media brands to help popularize that concept. And then, and then really it was left to the internet to create user-generated content. And all of those things were pre-considered um, and, and thought about in a, in a really robust strategy that looked seamless. You didn't see the strategy, you saw the entertainment and the strategy was working really hard behind. And I think, you know, so often we see brands and, and media properties, they put everything out on the table and, and you can almost see their marketing structure inside of how they post or why they post or what they do. And, you know, I like to, I like to make it a little bit more I like to keep those things behind the scenes. Yeah. I can imagine also when you're doing something on that scale with that level of visibility, there's stuff that happens that you can't plan for. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off-limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff, with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, 
you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. There's things that weren't part of your strategy that happen. And part of, I think, a really great, you know, break the internet strategy is also being responsive and reacting to things that happen. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I can tell. Yeah. There was one major thing that happened that we didn't even think about was we were releasing it in Twitter and no one had written the tweet. And so we were all sitting there, Kim's ready to share it. And no one had written the tweet. So we said, we're going to release it on Twitter. No one, um, you know, took the, went the extra mile to write down what that was. And so I just said, Oh my gosh, just write BTW, our new cover at Kim Kardashian. And that's the tweet that started the whole, the whole piece with the hashtag break the internet. And, um, you know, that, that was, that was a funny moment, but actually it's, it's funny that that's the tweet that, that started it. And we, we just came up with it in the seconds right before Kim was going to share it. So that was really interesting. I think the other thing too about it is, is, is mitigation. So, you know, Kim Kardashian is a quite bold choice for the paper brand, you know, in that, in, because that was at the very beginning of me coming back and, and starting to introduce more celebrities um, to the paper brand that are, were mainstream. And so, you know, there, there is that risk. It's, you know, is our audience going to like Kim Kardashian? And I think the way that we did it and also the stories that packed around it. So the stories that unfolded in the Break the Internet series that were a little bit more, you know, edgy and, and you know, likened to our audience. So we didn't alienate anyone. We kept our core, but then we built, you know, a vast amount of, of new fans and new following around that as well. Okay. You used the word influence earlier and, you know, it's a word that we hear a lot. Um, we're actually just wrapping up an issue right now on what we're calling the age of influence. In your view, what is influence now? Like, what does it actually mean? I think influence, influencer to me means a couple of things. And I think, you know, I think it's a buzzword. And, and what's great for, for us at Paper is, it's something that we've always thought about. So we've, we've always been trying to find the most amazing person who's doing something incredible. So finding those people and working with them is, is not new to us. So it's not just a buzzword. It's something that is built into our DNA. And so I think what an influencer is, is someone in today's world, in, in the digital world, an influencer is someone who is an extreme expert in something that they do. So whether they're an amazing chef or whether they, they have some expertise or some knowledge um, that makes them, them credible to an audience. And typically that audience is quite large. Um, there's that side of things. The other side of things is they're just cute. <laughs> so, so it's, I mean, I, that's the only way I can explain it is either you're hot, you have abs, you live in California, um, or you are really amazing and sick at your job. Right. Okay. But it doesn't necessarily mean you have millions and millions of followers because people use the word micro influencer now too, right? Sure. And I think micro influencers deliver a very different result. So, um, a micro influencer is able to start a conversation and really kind of lend huge credibility, but not necessarily a big audience. So 
we use micro-influencers and macro-influencers, and then on top of that, celebrities who are a completely different style of influencers um, in different ways for different reasons. Okay. Um, there's a lot of new change happening at Paper now. You've just you know, started a new partnership. Correct. Uh, and brought on a new investor. Like As you think about Paper now, what are, what are the plans for this new stage of development for the, for the publication? Because it's not strictly a magazine or website anymore. You guys have much bigger plans. No, and I think, you know, I met Tom Florio, um, you know, who has been at Condé Nast for 25 years and then went and, and ran the Magic Trade Show. And I've always admired him as like a fan and, you know, it's like you've seen him in the September issue, but also I just knew, you know, if you work in, if you work in publishing, you know, Tom Florio, he's kind of like one of those names. So, you know, when he set a meeting for me to come down and hear what we were working on at paper, you know, I was like, it's like big deal. And so I was like, um, and you know, the more, the more I talked to him about what, what, my vision was and what he had been thinking about as a modern you know media and entertainment company those kind of started to collide and start you know really piled on together to create something that was brand new and different and so um you know we brought on an investor and um who's fantastic and so and really you know lends a, a strategic piece to what we're doing and what we are building is a modern meat is not a modern media company, but rather an entertainment company. And I think that's where things are shifting in general is I don't think it's about publishing. I think it's about production. And I think it's about creating things that entertain audiences. And really, um, our holding company that we started is called Intech. And so what that is, is um, where entertainment is distributed by technology. And the I think that that's where things are going. And that's what's fresh and new. And I think it's like, you know, I often call it, it's like tofu. Once you have the mechanics down, you can, if you want to sell luxury, you can sell luxury. If you want to create a television show, you can create a television show. If you want to, you know, do an artisanal ice cube maker that lives in Brooklyn, you can do it that way. And How is that like that. tofu? I miss that. Because whatever, whatever you're creating, so if you create a piece of entertainment, you can then distribute it and get it right to the right audience. So whatever spice you put into it and the way you serve it is, is really... Oh, you're saying tofu is very versatile. It's versatile. So you can so, have spicy tofu. I get it. So tofu is versatile and media is versatile and entertainment is versatile and you can create whatever you want with these ingredients. Exactly. And you can serve it to all different people based on their preferences. I get it. All right, which is a very nice segue to this brand new uh, course that you've very, very kindly been working on with us here at the Business of Fashion. Uh, what is the course called and what is it about? The course is called Digital Marketing and it is a course that really takes you through not just the fundamentals, but all the nuances and all the things that are shifting and changing in digital and looking at digital, not as a kind of like tack on like, oh, this is a, these are the young people that are running our digital team. It's thinking about it as an organization and really rebuilding your organization around how digital has impacted no matter what industry you're in. Yeah. So much has changed 
in the world around marketing since your early days as an intern at paper <laughs> you know, in this course you cover some of those things like what is it that people should know about how marketing has changed because of digital i think the the I think the most important thing and the thing that keeps like hitting me over the head is, is that, you know, everyone is disrupted by digital. That's the number one thing. And they're a bit nervous about it. Um, but I think it's actually the solution to so many people's problems and it's just sitting right under their feet and they don't know how to pick it up. And I think the thing about it is, is digital marketing can completely protect your core. So your core audience that you know and love and have really worked hard to build. But what every brand, every company needs to do is, is, is reach out to these young, new consumers, whether it be millennials or Gen Z or whoever you're, you're reaching out to. And the way that you can speak to them using digital is you can talk to them in a different tone of voice. You can talk to them in a different way than you're talking to your core. And so what I constantly hear is we need to reach young people, but we don't want to upset our core audience. And so digital is the perfect place to do that. And you just have to do it in the right way. You can't use the traditional marketing ways to do that. But if you do it in the right way, the internet will love you. You'll have new consumers and you'll be able to achieve that goal. Mm -hmm. One of the things you talk about in your course, which I find really, really fascinating and important is the idea of magic and math. Can you talk a little bit about that concept? Yes, I, I created this idea about it's, you know, math plus magic. And the reason I, I started talking about this is I found that so many people that we had started talking to, and this is like probably two or three years ago. We being paper. We being anyone, anyone who's talking about digital or, you know, and specifically a paper when I would go and talk to clients, talk to brands, talk to fashion companies, they all, all of a sudden they're like, oh, we have the data. We have the data. It's like, and data was like, a th they didn't know what it was, but they, they, they knew that it was important and they knew that it could tell them these things. And then they got really, really focused and the balance of the scales started to turn all about the data and the data was driving them and algorithms and all these things that they had heard programmatic anything that had to do with all math, these buzzwords all these buzzwords and then what i really realized is math or you know all of that stuff doesn't work unless you put something magical into the system so unless you put something great inside of these digital technologies then there's nothing to count and so you know what then turned in, into, you know, the conversation became, it's like, oh, how am I going to put, you know, my creative and my vision and then, you know, use paid media and really try and, you know, get the audience to like this. And so to me, that's completely wrong. What you need to do is create something completely magical that the audience will love and then really work on the mass side of it to get it right to the people that you want to. And so I think that's the conversation that should be hatched is is how do those two things work in harmony mm. a lot of the lessons in this course are informed by some of your personal experience and professional experience at paper and one of the teams I, I just wanted to learn more about for my own selfish reasons is your audience development team um, I understand there's a young woman named Lily and she's your favorite person in the company why is that and what is audience development um, 
audience development is um, it's the most important thing that we're doing and I think you know outside of the editorial and outside of the great things that our teams create it's it's really now about you know taking that and bringing it to the biggest audience possible and I think inside of inside of digital you can really work on what is the complexion of your audience what do they look like how are you building you know at paper we look at so many different audiences whether it be activists or luxury contenders or you know fashion lovers or music lovers you know in a brand that's so vast you have to look at so many different audiences and so you know the audience development team um you know, which, which, which is becoming larger and larger by the day, um, they're really helping us understand how do we do that for the paper brand and how do we bring that to brands as well. And what they do is they help find the people and find the people that look like the people and have the same, you know, digital behaviors as those people so that we can start bringing them messages that are relevant to them. I see. And in a way, they're part of the math. Right? They are the math. They are the math. They are the math. They are the math. They like to say, aren't we the magic part too? <laughs> and I was like, well, there, like, there is something magical about math. Correct. Always. Right. Um, so finally, I just wanted to, to, to kind of recap. Like, if there were two or three key lessons that people will take away from this course, what, what will they be? The, um, the things that you you know, will really be able to take away and that I explain in great detail is number one is put your audience first. I think that's number one before your marketing objectives and your goals. It's you're really going to need to listen to what your audience wants and how you can kind of cater to that in a really creative way. Um, another piece that I talk a lot about is um, is how do you build these teams? How do you find these people and how do they need to think and work together? I think that's really hard inside of organizations that were built prior to digital is they're not organized in the same way that people are thinking about things. And I think in digital specifically, you know, it takes content creation, it takes, you know, audience development, it takes a paid media strategy, it takes PR, it takes, you know, so that's, that's in all these different silos and, you know, that's an old word, but it's like in all those different silos, you need a couple people from all those. So I always say a smaller team is better. And um, I think the other thing too is, 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 you know, creating just amazing art and, and creating amazing content is, is really what it is. Cause you know, content isn't king unless you are fabulous. Right. Okay. Well, I'm really, I'm going to take your course myself you because are? I feel like, yeah, I feel like there's lots I'm going to personally learn from it. And sign your own diploma? I will sign my own diploma. <laughs> <laughs> yes, by the way, if you take a BOF education course, you get a diploma, a shareable diploma signed by me. So I'll sign my own diploma. Amazing. Um, last question for you, Drew, yes. before you rush off. If you're a young person today, so take yourself back to Drew Elliott in Bloomington, Indiana, trying to figure out what he wants to do with his life. Yeah. Wants to become an actor, then wants to, you know, get, in, get to New York at all costs. Um, wants to find his or her purpose in, in life. What advice do you have for young people who are on that journey now? Get started. That's, that's what I say is, is get started. Whatever it is your dream is, is just get started. I think Young people today try and think of a lot of obstacles that stand in front of them when actually everything is an open 
opportunity. I think social has put us directly in contact with our favorite celebrities and people we admire and we can reach out to them in new ways that we haven't before and we have endless access to information because of the internet and so I think it's all about rigor and it's all about hard work matched with all of the tools that you have today and so you know specifically if, if someone is interested in, in working in digital or entertainment or publishing this is it's a new it's a new frontier and we are the new pioneers and all it is is the wild west of opportunity well that was very nicely put i'm really looking forward to taking your course i'm very keen to follow your new adventure at paper thank you and i look forward to seeing more magic and math from you in the years to come thank you for joining us on the bof podcast thank you for having me that's all for Inside Fashion today. I'm Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to your podcast and tell all your friends. Leave us some feedback in the comments or in the review section. And if you want to learn more about Drew's course on BOF Education, swipe up on this episode's artwork and tap episode notes. We love feedback from our listeners. So if there's anyone you'd like us to speak to or any topics you'd like us to cover or anything else related to podcasts that you have to say, just email us at podcast at businessoffashion.com. Thank you for listening. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef grade range recently and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.